Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We've arrived at the 11th lesson of this quarterly all about present truth in Deuteronomy. This week's title is Deuteronomy in the Later Writings. And by that, it simply means after Deuter- Deuteronomy was written. Later than Deuteronomy. Yeah, other people referred back to and invoked those very writings. We're going to see evidences of that in this week's study. Uh, Before we continue on, let's remind our people once again about Talking Points Q&A. What's going on with that? Yeah, so uh, we have mentioned before that when we do our Talking Points videos, we turn off the comments section uh, for various reasons. (laughs) Uh, Don't want to make it a battleground for people's opinions on this, that, and the other. We want people to focus on using it as a tool for preparation, but that's not because we're against people asking questions, and so we have developed a, uh, a forum for that, if you will. Uh, where you can go to our website, michigansspm.org. Uh, one of the rotating banners on the front page says Talking Points Q&A. It actually says Help on it, and then you click on that, and that will take you to a form where you can submit Sabbath, rela- Sabbath school-related questions. Right. And then we are going to do a monthly Talking Additional points. episode that's outside of the quarterly, but it's spe- specifically addressing the questions, questions that you can have about Sabbath school uh, leadership. Anyway, or participation yes, at all. So let's get back to this lesson. There's a lot to cover this week. And um, i tell you what, why don't you give us a word of prayer and then I can walk through the talking points. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, we are thankful for your word. We thank you for the book of Deuteronomy and the blessing it's been to study it this quarter. And Lord, as we consider its impact in the future of Christianity from the time period of Deuteronomy and how the later writers employed these writings, May we learn principles that would help us to continue to apply the things that you have counseled in the book of Deuteronomy for our personal spiritual benefit and for the proclamation of the gospel to the world. For we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, let me tell you, I had a particular challenge this week's lesson. Not that it was theologically off or anything like that, but the the structure of it, I mean, the title is literally Deuteronomy in the Later Writings, and lo and behold... What you have is quotes and references to Deuteronomy from other occurrences later on in Scripture. That's right. And so you could literally just have one talking point. It's like people quoted Deuteronomy a lot. as you mentioned, it's predominantly (laughs) Old Testament. Yes. Because the next lesson is called Deuteronomy in the New Testament. Okay, so So we're getting there. So we're going to exclude that and put it in. Right, so we're going to set the framework for this week's and next week's lesson study this week. Okay, so talking point number one, well, let me, why don't you read the little uh, intro Intro column. It comes from Sabbath afternoon. Yeah, from Sabbath afternoon. This week we will focus on on how Deuteronomy was used by later writers. What parts did they use and what points were they making that have relevance for us today. Now, that's an especially important point. What about the relevance today? Yes. It's not just a historical study. Because we're talking about present truth in Deuteronomy. Amen. <laughs> that's exactly right. So, talking point number one. The Bible is Moses and. Now, that's a little mm-hmm. funny construction, but as we're going to see, the Bible views itself as built on the foundation of Moses and his writings. We'll get into that. Mm-hmm. And that's coming Almost exclusively for Sabbath afternoon's lessons. That's a new thing, a talking point from Sabbath afternoon. But there you go. I think that's a first. There we go. Talking point number two. Surprise for that. Deuteronomy can motivate Reformation. So Mm. it can bring about revival and Reformation and change your life by a study of the words. And that's coming from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. So that's the bulk of the lesson is in that second point. And then finally, talking point number three, Deuteronomy remains relevant. So there are still practical applications that God has for his people 
even today, and that comes from Wednesday and Friday. All right. So let's go back to that first let's one. Dive the Bible in. is, quote, Moses and. Um, from Sabbath afternoon. From Sabbath afternoon. In <laughs> fact, why don't you read that little statement from paragraph three of Sabbath afternoon. All through the Old Testament, Genesis, especially the creation story, is referenced such as in I beheld the earth, and indeed it was without form and void, and heaven, in the heavens they had no light. Okay, well, I was thinking of actually paragraph four. I'm sorry, but th- it doesn't matter. <laughs> it was just a reading quiz for me. Paragraph four, and yes, many times in the later writings of the Old Testament, such as the prophets, referred back to the book of Deuteronomy, which played such a central role in the covenantal life of Israel. All right, so they're talking about how the, the contributor here was trying to make the point that after the writings of Moses were closed and Deuteronomy uh, mm-hmm. being into that, that the later writers didn't just like pick up from the start like a new thing all the time. Right. They kept folding back and referring back to Deuteronomy and That's quoting right. it and invoking it and referring to it. And why would that be? Well, what's interesting is they didn't passively vote. You know, it wasn't just one of many books like, oh, this says over here, it right. says over here. Deuteronomy was treated very differently. Like yes. you said, the phraseology, Moses and the prophets comes in, and maybe yeah. you're going to get there, that Deuteronomy was treated in it in a, in a certain category. Yes. In fact, in Jewish writings, it's... It, it is its own category. Right. It's, right. it's the Torah or the Pentateuch. It's the, the right. writings of the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are... Right. So there's the basically the corpus of writings that came under Moses, yeah. and Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law at the end of that, right? It's kind of the culmination of that. And then you have all the other stuff. And so, for instance, when you go to the New Testament, what I'm sure we're going to touch on next week, but it's good to bring up here. I've given several references, Luke 16, Luke 24, Acts 28, right. where when they talk about where Jesus or the Apostle Paul would refer to the Scripture, they wouldn't yes. say, you know, the Bible says or Scripture says. They'd say, as is written in Moses and the right. prophets. Even, I think, of the time Jesus said, is it, is it, I may be wrong, in John 5, John 7, 8, he says... Um, Moses believed in me, for he wrote, wrote of me. And he says, if you believe me, you would believe Moses. Right. Well, because they like, were saying, we don't know you, we know Moses. So he's referred, <laughs> Right. So to your point, specifically invoking yes. Moses in the writings exactly. of Moses. Exactly. And then later on, you see the law. And we th- and it's from Seven Dabbas saying, oh, that means the Ten Commandments and the writings of the prophet. Well, the law, as you were pointing out, in the Jewish mindset, it meant more than just the list of ten. Right. It's the the law, whole... law in the Old Testament is translated from the Hebrew word Torah. And it's mm-hmm. funny, I've asked it as I've taught before. I've asked people, and what do you think Torah means? People are like, law. <laughs> no. <laughs> Trick question, I guess. Okay. It means instruction. Mm. And we've, I think we brought that up here before. That So the, the law, the writings of Moses, were viewed as not some instruction. Yeah. The instruction. It like, is the this foundation is the ba- that like, everything You can't add is... to that. That's right. like, you can just comment on it. Right. And so time and again, and as we're going to see in our lesson this week, later prophets or people who were messengers for the Lord were called, calling these people back to Reformation. They would remind them of these things and not to say, I mean, that was good, but here's some new light. They're like, no, no, this is exactly what the Lord told us there in the teaching and the instruction. And they saw Moses' writings and Deuteronomy. Well, and building on that, and I often bring that up in the context of Ellen White. People say, well, Ellen White, you know, she's a prophet. She adds to the Bible. No, the prophets never added to the the role. of prophets was always the law and the prophets. Mm-hmm. The prophets pointed back to that basic instruction. You'll find the very same thing in Ellen White's writings. We'll just say, you know, the reason that God gave me light is because there's light you haven't followed and God gave me that, you know, mm-hmm. an understanding to point you back to. Yes. Now, and sometimes and- we'll think about, take the spirit of prophecy and the scripture and we'll say, well, clearly 
and people will have this idea in mind. Well, this one's more inspired, and this one's less inspired. Right. And we're not trying to set that up to say that Moses is better than the prophets or different. But the category of writing and the the role that Moses played in the history of redemption as the original recorder of the creation story, right. uh, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that lineage that established Israel, the deliverance out of Egypt, the law of Sometimes God. Sometimes we talk about the scope and the function of the writings right. in, in theological circles. So the scope and Good function point. of those writings serves a different purpose. It's exactly. a foundation. So that's not taking away from Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, right. but it's definitely saying that its function is distinct, and the Bible itself draws that out because you have yes. Moses and the prophets. So Moses, mm-hmm. the prophets, and poets, right? Right. Anyway, so it should be little wonder as we get to the end of this first talking point that later Bibles would so Bible writers would so frequently reference or directly invoke concepts originally articulated by Moses, yes. often in Deuteronomy, because that's the function that they serve is right. the foundation of the rest of Scripture. So the Bible is Moses and. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Let's move on to talk point number two. What do you do with it? So why would they, when when these later writers would invoke the writings of Moses or specifically quote from Deuteronomy or paraphrase, mm. what was what were they trying to do there? What was the purpose? Well, of- let's think about this with Deuteronomy. This is fascinating in Deuteronomy because as I've re- reviewed through it, you know, the, the writings of Moses are full of instruction, but Deuteronomy adds a good bit of history mm-hmm. in the context of, you know, you were told this and you didn't do it. You told this and you didn't do it. You told this and you rebelled <laughs> yeah. against it. So you have the instruction, much of it being repeated in Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. right? The second law. It's the, the second giving, of, giving of, law. of law. It's a re- repetition of it. And in, interspersed in that is, but you were unfaithful here. and you were So you think of later people who are living in the aftermath of, Look, you, f- you follow the Lord, and of course you have the blessings and cursings mm-hmm. in Deuteronomy. So we, we're faithful to God, and things go well. We're unfaithful, things go well, poorly. What are the odds? Yeah. Now, now down the road, as people are looking back to Deuteronomy, I mean, mm-hmm. what better place to sit? You know, here's a basically a diagnostic tool yes. for where we are. Well, and that's a really good point to bring out, because Deuteronomy, even of it, even if there weren't other later writings, it already employs the looking back element. That's right. right? So looking back to a book that looks back. So we're folding back in on this history. God wants to continue, like last week's lesson. Keep this yes. in mind, right? That's right. And so, interestingly, you have several examples in the new t- in the Old rest Testament. of Scripture, in the Old Testament, where that very function of discovering the book of the law. I think of King Josiah, right? Yes. And it didn't just wasn't like interesting history, but it motivated for revival and reformation, right? That's exactly. And that's right. exactly what the talking point's about. That Deuteronomy can motivate. For Reformation. Let's take a look at uh, Sunday, paragraph 2. Can you read that for us, please? Sure. Scholars have concluded. Scholars have concluded that the book of the law was Deuteronomy, which apparently had been lost to the people for many years. Of course, they found it in the temple, the, ru- the temple ruins of the temple, really. Right, and we don't and, have time right here, but it might be an interesting thing to revisit that in the Sabbath school class and just look at what actually happened, because he wasn't going there seeking the book of the law. Right, we've got the reference, 2 Kings 22 and right, verse 2 Kings 22, verse 8. Let me just look that up real quick, because it says here, Then Hilkiah the high priest said to uh, Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And so they were there to gather money, and they were going through the old whatever. They were reviewing stuff, and they discovered this book of the law, which, again, scholars have long said wasn't just a book. It was most likely the book of Deuteronomy itself. 
And then he presents it to the king. He's like, hey, we we're looking for money, and we found this. Well, to call it the book of the law, of course, we, we, you know, we talked about law being Torah, but specifically in Deuteronomy, again, you're recounting the giving of the commandments yes. and the uh Statutes and the blessings and, and curses, all the things so, that go with it. Yes. yes. So it's this whole picture of what God had given his people. And so when King Josiah sees this and he hears, in fact, he just starts hearing from it, right? Right. It says in verse 11, Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law, that is Deuteronomy, that he tore his clothes. So it's not just like he found it interesting or said, let's come listen some more. He immediately saw the application of these ancient texts to his present situation. I I, I can't help but think to myself, let's say that you're in a situation, you've got this strange illness coming upon you, and you've got these green dots breaking Mm. out on your skin, and your your tongue's yellow, (laughs) and you're making stuff up. And you're just like, what in the world? And doctors, nobody can figure it out. And then somebody starts reading to you this thing, and there's a diagnosis. It's like, if you find yourself with this and this and this, green spots on your skin, hey, your tongue turns (laughs) yellow. This is it. You know, then you, this was exactly. a diagnosis that as, as Josiah's hearing in the, in the context of where he was living right. and where Israel was spiritually, he's like, that's it. Mm. That's where we are. This is why this is happening to us. So, yeah, and the lesson quoted, uh, Prophets and Kings, page 393, where it talks about the, what was going on inside of Josiah, right? right? It says, Josiah was deeply stirred as he heard, uh, heard read for the first time the exhortations and warnings recorded in this ancient manuscript. Never before had he realized so fully the plainness with which God had set before Israel life and death, blessing and cursings. And again, the plainness, it wasn't obscure language or like some sort of like symbolic whatever. He's like, if you do this, this good is going to happen. If you do it, and he looks at his situation, it's like, we have done plan B. We have done the latter. We have chosen death here. And he tears his clothes because he sees the application. Mm. And of course, what does he do with that? If you keep reading through First uh, King, I mean Second Kings, there, it's I not just help, a but... feeling. He changes, he changes the culture, and he says, yeah. "We're going to turn over these idol tables. We're going to cha- tear down the high places. We're going to make a change here." I can't help but think of nominal Christians who just never studied for themselves what they believe. They believe what they've been told and taught, and they've read passages, but they never really studied for themselves how that impact. That's what we're... Yes. Like, this is the first time Josiah's hearing this, and how many of us need that renewed study? Uh, especially there are, like I said, there are many who have never even studied for themselves mm. what they believe, and it's 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 a different ballgame when you're... Well, yeah, and you think about... Christians who might be sincere, but they've never been exposed to say the Sabbath or some particular present truth, and they're like, right. "I've been a believer in this, but I didn't know it said that." Oh, part of me, that's that part of me, is thinking even the Spirit of Prophecy writings. A lot mm. of Seventh Day Adventists, like, "Oh yeah, Ellen White and this," and wherever their position, even people that are very pro-supportive have never read mm. some counsel, and it's just like when they they come across like, "I never realized how plain yes this was." Like I just thought, you know, people say. You get this mindset today that I I don't think any of us can really figure out truth. It's so ambiguous. And so you read some some of these very plain statements, and you're mm-hmm. like, did that exist all this time? Mm. Because you get the idea from even some of the <laughs> different, uh, uh, what I want to say, the, the confusion within the church sometimes, mm-hmm. that it must just not be that clear. It's like, what if it is clear? Exactly We've just where, been uh, neglecting yes, it, study of those exactly very clear things. That's exactly what happened to Josiah. Mm. He read for himself, and he's like, wow, I didn't realize God had stated it so clearly and so plainly. 
Well, and that we, brought revival. Exactly. Now we move on. Now what? I, there's a really fascinating tie between Josiah and Jeremiah. Yes. In, in Tuesday's uh, lesson, it brings out in paragraph two, where it says, "As we have already seen." By the way, I'm pretty sure, I don't have this unofficial, but I'm pretty sure the first paragraph of Tuesday is an autobiographical sketch of our contributor, Clifford Goldstein. That's my guess when he says, years ago, a young man, a agnostic, was a passionate seeker for truth. It's like, I'm pretty sure that's you, brother. Anyway, who knows? But in the second paragraph of Tuesday, it says, as we've already seen, the book of Deuteronomy had been rediscovered during the time, during the reign of King Josiah. And it was under Josiah's rule that Jeremiah began his ministry. No wonder then that the influence of Deuteronomy can be seen in the writings That's of right. Jeremiah. And notice the what does Jeremiah do with this burden that the Lord has laid upon him, especially as we're seeing in, in the passages uh, that we've just read about the Re- Reformation mm-hmm. of, in King Josiah's life and the corporate Reformation. Now the Lord raises up Jeremiah to continue that message. It's supposed to be a catalyst for revival and Reformation. Right. Uh, why don't you just read this first seven verses of Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah 7 begins, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah who enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave you, gave to your fathers forever and ever. Does it not almost sound like he's reading directly from Deuteronomy? It's like <laughs> yes. the very things that Moses was saying to the people back then. And what's the basis? It's not just mm-hmm. interesting history they should be acquainted with, but what was the purpose of it? To reform That's the life. Exactly right. It's like, look, amend your ways. We have it written down. So do this, right? That's so right. there's an appeal. And, and it's especially interesting. Do not say the temple of the Lord. In other words, don't say, hey, we're here in the temple. Well, look, we're, the coming temple to we're, good. we're coming to church on the Sabbath. Yeah, but you're not living it out, you know? You're not applying these things. And you know, Pastor Mark, we're not to the New Testament yet, but what was their appeal? I mean, look at the temple. We got a temple. We're good. We got yes. the temple. Jesus, does this not sound like an, yes. and, and the, the disciples, disciples? He was like, look at the temple. He was right. like, I'm telling you, this thing is desolate. Matthew 23 gives the woes to the scribes yes. and the Pharisees. And, and the he says, like, how can it be that these guys are wrong? Look at the temple, right? right. Matthew 24, the very beginning. Exactly. So people had gotten so con- so comfortable. We'll say in their more concept. about that next week. Exactly. But their concept, even in the Old Testament time of, we're God's chosen people. We know all that stuff. We've got the temple. Mm. And he's like, but change your ways. Yes. You know? And finally, the culmination of all this perhaps is in Daniel, and you were hopefully all familiar with Daniel yes. and his, his ex- exile there in Babylon, but he prays this prayer in Daniel chapter 9 mm. about the situation that he finds himself in, and what's interesting is if you study that out, um, why don't you read verses 1 and 2? Daniel 9? Oh, I've actually, 1, 2, and 3, yeah. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. 
Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And it goes on to outline this prayer, which I trust we're all familiar with. But if you haven't reread it, you've got to read the Daniel 9 prayer mm. again. And mm. listen to the, the, to the earnestness in his voice. And he compares it, but he tells us what he was studying. Yes. Jeremiah. And what was Jeremiah referring people back to? Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. And there's this unbroken lineage of yeah. appealing to this to the law of God as recorded by Moses in the books like Deuteronomy. And in the time of Josiah, bring about reform. Jeremiah calls for reform. Daniel looks and he says, Lord, though we've had the word since Moses, we tried all these different reforms, I'm sitting here in Babylon because we didn't obey. Right. And he, mm. he reviews this history, and he sit, but he still says, Lord, even though we've done all this, your same word promised that there would be a blessing if we turn. So, Lord, turn our hearts to you and don't forget your promises towards us. It's powerful, Amen. powerful stuff. And the quarterly uh, lesson on page thir on Thursday, paragraph 6 and 7. You want to read uh, that oh, for us, paragraph, please? What about paragraph 3? Uh, we we have it highlighted. Sure, let's do both well. of them. That's good. So, paragraph 3, Daniel's prayer is a summary of exactly what the nation had been warned about in Deuteronomy regarding the fruits of not keeping their end of the covenant. Twice Daniel referred back to the law of Moses in verses 11 and 13, which certainly included Deuteronomy and in this case might have been specifically referring to it. And it goes on to say, Deuteronomy gave Daniel and other exiles a context in which to understand that the evil that came upon them wasn't just blind fate, mm. blind chance, but the fruits of their disobedience, exactly what they had been warned about. But, and perhaps more important, Daniel's prayer expressed the reality that despite these events, there was hope. God had not abandoned them, no matter how much it might have seemed that way. Deuteronomy not only provided a context for understanding their situation, but it also pointed to the promise of restoration as well. Mm. So it didn't just point. say, here's how we got here, now good luck. It also includes that hope of that, look, if you come back, That's right. even after this, I'll still hear, I'll still answer. And Daniel mm. sees no evidence of his people turning, but he's like, Lord, right. your word says so. So I come to you in confidence. Yes. It's it's powerful that how it all works together. Oh, our time is Deuteronomy can motivate reformation. Amen. And that moves us into... Which brings us to number three, Deuteronomy remains relevant. How dare we look at... Deuteronomy in Moses' time, recalling Josiah's reforms, Jeremiah's reforms, no, Daniel's, and it's it like, well, good for Josiah, and good for them. Jeremiah and Daniel. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, what's it got glad to do with they, me today? Glad they benefited from it. Friends, God is still calling His people back to the law and the prophets. Right, the same thing. Um, in fact, from Moses to John, from Genesis to Revelation, the, the timeless principles of God's law articulated in Deuteronomy are the ideals God yes. has for his people. So the same thing he was telling people, whether it's the daily life interactions or the way we uh, approach God and our, our, our fidelity to his commandments, it's still what he expects from us today. So the same very reforms that Josiah was pleading for, that Jeremiah was calling for, that Daniel was lament, lamenting yes. didn't happen, we still have that Lamentating for. Yes, lamentating. <laughs> Please don't put that down on paper anywhere. But you think of Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Yes. Wednesday's lesson brings this out. How, uh, like me to read well, it? Yeah, please read that. He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Now that has taken on an identity of its own. It's so yes, well it known. Has. But did but my you know? Bible gives a reference to Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. Right. And now listen to 10, verse 12. 
And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? And the the contributor here... You could almost accuse Micah of plagiarism there. Yeah, he's like, he's, clearly he paraphrases, but it's based on this thing. He, he puts it in terms of justice and mercy and right. humility. But the point is that Micah wasn't coming up with something new. That's right. He was taking something that God had given him, applying it to their present situation. And friends, that's exactly what I see happening even in the book of Revelation, mm. when the Lord talks to the people in the Laodicean condition, right? That's right. What is he telling them to do? He's trying to come He's back to those... and repent. Repent. And what does it mean? To turn back right. to what was... And, and I think of Revelation chapter 14. Right. And verse 6, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. If we talk about that, it's not just an end time, it's the same one for all times. To preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him. And now the present truth application, for the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Mm. Him who made. By the way, a reference back to the writings of Moses again, the creation account, the fearing God and give glory to Him. That's found in Deuteronomy. And the only difference is, it's in our time. That's right. That we're in the time of that judgment. But they had it for their time, we have it for our time. But God's law is for all times. Well, it says it is to say human nature has been the same throughout. We can talk about all the technological advances and how different and how advanced and how ahead we are right now and and start espousing evolutionary theory that we've gotten so much better. But the reality is that humanity, fallen humanity, has always been the same crippled thing. Mercy. And uh, and the the injunctions given to Israel way back in, in, in Deuteronomy or repeated in Deuteronomy from Genesis Exodus yes. still apply to us today. Yes, and so it's it's amazing how the Bible is structured in such a way that core element of the law he gave, all even Moses, when Deuteronomy is calling back to them, Josiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, all the way to our time, it's as though God has said, I've had this one message. That's right. And I'm going to have a people who's going to take this seriously. And friends, we're living in the hour of judgment where God is looking for that people. That's right. right? Friday asked in the first discussion question, sure, we're Seventh-day Adventists, and with our present truth message, we see ourselves, and rightly so, in the same place that the people of ancient Israel had been in, having truths that the world around them needed to hear. It's a great privilege for us. How well, though, do you think we are living up to the responsibilities that come with such a privilege? Mm. Friends, let's not let another... Another era passed by where we're like, oh, that sounded good, but it might have been. Mm. Let's actually take this seriously and, and take Deuteronomy at the face value and take heed to remember and apply yes. what God has given us. So uh, we've come to the end of our time here today, but there's going to be plenty of. Oh, let me. Yes, you get a great, a, quote a great concluding thought. This is from Christ's Obstacles 296. Now, this wasn't in the lesson itself, but it seems to tie so closely with that discussion question right. and where we've been going. It says, in the lives of God's people, The truths of his word are to reveal their glory and excellence. Through his people, Christ is to manifest his character and the principles of his kingdom. Mm, The very principles he's articulated back on the mount and repeated in Deuteronomy. He's calling us to live out even now, which underscores that idea. Deuteronomy remains relevant still for us. A lot of great discussion to be had. Could you give us a word of prayer as we close? Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, we are just thankful for being reminded of your teachings in our past history, going all the way back to the days of Moses, Lord, and the relevance in the days we live in now. And I pray that we would take heed, Lord, that we would not just uh, treat these lessons as uh, old, uh, irrelevant history, but practical lessons that will help us by your grace 
to rightly represent Christ to this world and hasten his coming. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name.